Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a building, more whoops, (laughs) a building 28 church podcast where we discuss the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm Danny Van. Van. I'm hosting again. I'm Aaron Kern. I'm going to be more passive on this, kind of like how God is with sin. I'm going to be active. He's going to be active. This This is superpower. He's going to be active how he thinks God is with sin. So this will be a fun fun podcast. So today we're we're addressing the topic of, and we've gotten this question a lot. Just to be clear, Mm -hmm. I think you guys know this at this point in time. I've had like two shots of espresso and a lot of coffee this morning. So I might be a little hyper. But you guys probably know this, but most of these at this point in time, season three, winding down of Out of Oz, these are questions that you guys are asking. Are people in my church, people in, in Adam's church, Jeffrey Singer, our media director, he wants to know, is God the author of sin? So here's, here's the main idea. If you were to take a poll of the reasons why unbelievers struggle to grasp the idea of God or a doctor and professing Christians grapple with, one that drives to the forefront would likely be the origin of evil or transgression or sin. Where did sin originate? If God created all things, how can something exist that he did not construct? God is infinite in wisdom. He did not intend for us to understand all things, but he did intend for us to understand this one. But with the capabilities we do have, albeit limited, we can seek to study and uncover the following question. Is God, is God the author of sin? It's so convoluted. It is not freaking <laughs> no, convoluted. No, meaning, meaning that what do we even mean by that word? But Danny, take it away. Like, drop everything the bus going to say here is going to be wrong. Just so you know, I'm looking at all the cameras. Hey, everything, right? everything that powers you to say here has been ordained by God it directly. Has. Okay, so there you go. All right. I asked you guys to fight on the podcast. Let's do it. And now it's here. Somebody throw a punch so we can make it the thumbnail. I'm not going to because I'm in control of my actions. But powers might because he's not in control. He's a robot. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Straw men about. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, awesome. let's go. What are we going questions we I got here? More, Kevin. I didn't even look at the outline. Here we go. Uh, I mean. This is going to be easy. I, I got Westminster and LBC on my let side. Me roll my sleeves up. We, I mean, this. we have basic jumping off questions like, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> what, okay. is, what is sin? Well, let's start there. Why, why are we having this conversation? We're having this conversation because people ask the question. Well, yeah. not only because people ask the question, that's a duh no brainer, right? The bigger reason people ask this question is because, right, we pastor reformed churches that are steeped in the Reformation traditions, confessions, Like creeds, the Westminster Confession, the London Baptist right, Confession. totally. They're all on my Belgic, side. Belgic, Heidelberg, yeah. all these things. Shylin, yeah. you know, you throw in there with his songs, I just want to be modern. clear, right before this podcast. Oh my gosh. Powers, I told him Westminster's on my side and he said, Westminster's wrong. So just, just go ahead. But hey go ahead. man, there's, there's, <laughs> that's another podcast, but- Anyway, when people come into our contexts and contexts like this, because there's many, praise God, churches just like ours that are steeped in these very things, big God theology, eventually you run into the question when you encounter the sovereignty of God. For me, it was this question when I was 20 years old, is God surprised 
at anything. No. And clearly, if God is God, since God is God, let's not use the word if, mm. remembering the beloved R.C. Sproul quote, what's wrong with you people? Since God is God, God can never be surprised about anything, which means he's got purpose in everything that happens in history, which includes events post-Genesis 3, pre-Genesis 3, and Genesis 3. But I would say there's no post-pre with God. And I think that's where I'm not. Right, like, but that's our context where we define yes. things from. And so, so we, in the midst of the ocean. Like God only, is outside of time, so nothing happens before or after. Totally. Yeah. God is omnipresent. He is. So he doesn't react no, or act. Which is he's. Like we do. He's impassable. Yes. He has passions, but he is not. Is this complex enough? I, th- I thought I said it was convoluted. He said it was simple. This sounds complicated. It is to me. simple because okay, sorry. So let me get back to the simplicity of this. Sorry. Oh yeah, please. When people please back to enter into these contexts, churches like ours, and they hear big God doctrine, big God preaching, which they ought to hear, everyone ought to hear. Amen eventually to they bump up into the question: well, how sovereign is God? And what does that mean for everything in life, including evil? Mm. And that's the simplicity of it. And I think that's one reason why we're asking this question. Eventually, everybody gets around to that question. And not everybody has answered that question the same. And not everyone has answered that question helpfully. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of heretics that said that God was the author of sin. There's but been, most people oh have gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, the reason I say this is convoluted, and, and uh, honestly, we're jesting today. If you don't like jest, I apologize. I love this guy. He's, he's my buddy. He can't help but love me because God directly ordained that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, I think that the reason this is convoluted is because when we say author of sin, what do we mean by that? Does that mean direct causation of sin? Some people would say, yes, I have a big problem with that. Does that mean indirect causation? Well, everything, according to the confession, is directly or indirectly caused by God. Or ultimate like, Meaning actively or passively ordained by God. And so that's what I mean by it. Like, what do, what do, we, what do we mean by author of sin? Like, does he know everything? Of course he knows everything. He's omniscient. Like, so we, we get that. Everybody, not even just reform, like everybody worth their thought. Every Orthodox Christian believes in the omniscience of God. Like we're not open theists. So he knows everything. Um, he also exists. He works in time, existing outside of time. He's and not bound so, by the limitations yeah, of so, time, just like we are. Yeah. So anyway, I, we could get into a whole lot more convolution. That's why I think why, why we have to answer the question and why yes. a lot of people ask it. A lot of people do ask this because... Yeah. We're talking about when we say sovereign, simply put, God is in control. He is the king who reigns, rules and reigns. But to what extent is he actively causing versus to what extent is your God can still be fully sovereign and allow or permit or passively cause or whatever word you want to use there. He can still be completely sovereign. So anyway, Danny, get us back on track a little bit here. You guys are already bumping up to the main the main meat of the question, though. The main meat of the question. I mean, well, what is the main meat? Did God allow sin? Yes. <laughs> he allowed it? Does well, that of make course. Him, Everybody would say that. Does that make him evil? No. Does that make him sin? No. Go, go further. Okay. The reason that I answer yes to this question and why everyone ought to answer yes, including you. Oh, no. There's no is, way. And yes. a lot of Christians are not going answer to. Answer yes that. to God allowed sin. Yes. Okay. Hold on. I get that I hold the minority view here, but just because the whole world almost disagrees with me does not make the whole world right. Okay, but pause really quick. We like to say something here at Building 28 that I think you would agree with. Truth is true, even if everybody else disagrees with you. not that. That is true. 
But if it's theologically new to Christianity or a minority view within Christianity throughout the centuries, it's almost always wrong. Yeah, but I would say this was the majority view pre-enlightenment, and now the post-enlightenment view is your view. Guys, let's just get in. What's we, your view? We talk Stop about the Enlightenment all the time, go. how it was like a degression. He's not a beat around the bush because there's no truth to be discovered here. Go, okay, go so, for it, okay. okay. I answer yes to this question because to describe God as sovereign, we must take sovereign to mean sovereign. Not just a little sovereign, absolute sovereignty, quoting Jonathan Edwards, is what I love to ascribe to God. And so I'm going to ask really quick, because I think this is important. Hmm. I'm not being tongue in cheek with this. What do you mean by sovereign? Oh, the Westminster Confession would define it like this, that he is the whatsoever comes to pass. God ordains, allows, permits. To me, they're all synonyms whatsoever comes to pass. This is the best definition of sovereignty. Or to quote a verse, Psalm 115, verse three, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my definition okay. of sovereignty. Would that be yours? Yeah. I think the, the discrepancy here is, 20, so I would say God is not the author of sin, mm-hmm. depending on how we frame that. But I think most people will frame it in the sense of the direct causation of sin. And the way I understand scripture, even, oh, there's tons of passages like the one you just quoted, where God is like, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. Like, like there's all these. Oh, so there's things. a lot of scripture on my side. No, 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 no. Right. No. There's a lot yeah. of. Keep on quoting. Keep no, on no, quoting. There's a lot. The confessions, just so we're clear, and we go back to the confessions because <laughs> they're biblical, and we do both love the confessions. Amen. Westminster Confession, Savoy Declaration, London Baptist Confession, the best one. Um, Heidelberg, they, Belgic. Heidel, Heidelberg, like all these, they're, all of them agree that God is the first and primary cause right. of whatever comes yeah. to pass. Yeah, they all say that. Is. But where they also all agree is they use very clear language in direct causation versus what they would call indirect causation. Secondary causation. Yes. So what, what that means to me, I'm sure you'll disagree, is that from a human perspective, understanding that all human analogies break down, we're talking in reference to God, but... When I'm out on my pool deck with my kids, I am in control of that atmosphere, that context there with my children. So I'm saying I'm giving them commands, I'm giving them orders, and I could make them do stuff or I could allow them to do things in disobedience to me. And there's going to be consequence for that, but I'm not causing them. Or another, another point I would make is, so let's say, that, let's say that I'm like, hey, do not run on the pool deck. I'm saying to my kids all the time, don't run on the pool deck. Like don't, Evie, don't chase Augustine around the pool deck. And they're running around the pool deck and they're disobeying. And Augustine falls and tears up his face. Okay. There is a difference between that, where I could have set them down and made them stop doing that. And clearly I'm not omniscient and all this stuff. I get there. Yeah, God is not down. like you. I get that. Right. But we have to do the best we can. Like, and understanding this, there's a difference between me saying, don't do this. There's going to be bad consequence. And my children disobeying me in my sight, bearing that consequence and me shoving my son's face into the concrete directly, actively of my own good pleasure hmm. to teach him hmm. the benefit of pain. That to me, I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's where you are, but that to me is a capricious, yeah, unjust, yeah evil God who would force direct causation of evil upon the world, making bad things happen 
instead of passively allowing through his sovereign dominion bad things to happen. Sounds kind of Arminian of you to say so. I don't really give a crap <laughs> what camp it puts me in. Right. So, of course, I'm going to agree with your illustration. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I so. just, I just want to say there's a, little a loaded. <laughs> there's a whole ton of Bible that goes against it. No. Specifically, the most horrid event in the history of the world, the most wicked evil act that ever occurred was actively caused by I would, God. I would say indirectly. Well, listen to Acts 4. For truly, quote it for this you. is verse 27 and 28. For truly there were gathered in this city together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So the most wretched act in history was actively planned down to the very hands. Oh, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that interpretation. That did what they did. I think that God decreed through his predestination what was going to occur and that humanity was completely and utterly culpable and responsible for that travesty. Right, but to say that an eternal decree of God, according to the confessions, is passive is wrong. So this is why I said this issue is convoluted, because we both agree that he has decreed whatever comes to pass. Amen. But I think Amen. he decrees without the any alleviation like, I don't think he he bears any culpability for evil. Right. I, I don't think he bears. Right. Well, he does. We agree he's on that. Who, he's the one who gave us our logical minds. And this is where I think I am in line with the Westminster understanding of text like this or the London Baptist is that, sorry, this is probably like hard to track, but like I get worked up about this as well because I know people who are fatalistic in this. Like, like right, so that when is, the rubber hits the road and we get yeah. practical here, I know people who are like, oh, I just can't be a good husband to my wife because God didn't wire me or ordain for me. Obviously, be, that's you know, foolish. Well, but I think that's where this goes. Like, this, I don't think it is. I, I think it I don't can think so. Very, so just because chocolate can be abused doesn't mean you should never eat it. All that to say, I think that the, the cross of Christ was Amen. plan A. There's no plan B because there's no reaction with God. So it was plan A. Plan A from the beginning. From the beginning. Before the creation of the world. From the beginning. The cross necessitated sin. Yeah. That was in God's decree. And if that's what you mean by the author of sin, that he decreed to will to allow sin to enter the picture, I'm fine with that. But if we're saying that God actively caused the fall, actively caused their hands to do this evil, ground their face into the concrete at the pool, like made them do evil, that I think is not that you're heretical. I just think you're misguided. Um, but I think that's borderline heretical. You're just confused. Like, I think that's borderline <laughs> because lost. God can, scripture's oh. also clear, God cannot sin. Like God cannot, it's it's absent of his very essence and nature to do that. And so when it when you go to like Acts, for example, which is a great text, and yeah. I've, I've argued it yeah, 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 um, yeah, as yeah, an yeah. infralapsarianist, um, I've argued it. Supra. <laughs> I've argued it. Anyway, if you're, if you're watching this and you're like the three people who are like, what, what is, Look, I, I don't even get into the arguments of what's called infralapsarianism or supra because you don't? God is no, because God is outside of that. He's above that. That's, to me, it's dumb. He doesn't react. Oh or no, act. it's not dumb. I don't. I, anyway, it's that's a helpful that's, theological debate that's for another conversation. I was going to say, if you're going to drop those words, you might need th to define this them. Is okay, helpful, simply put, hold, hold simply put, supralapsarianism. Look, this is crazy. This is like theological nerdism, but no, it's so, beautiful. So, <laughs> you can skip the 15 seconds. Yeah, on this. you can skip no, this. Probably. Do not skip. Um, do not hit that. So, if you've heard these terms or you're unfamiliar, there's actually more than just two views. But the typical reform views are they're dumb. But is that no, they're not. <laughs> it's so weedy. It's so dumb. Uh, is that supra? Is that 
God ordained the cross first, basically, and then sin necessarily had to follow? Well, not technically. Infra, I'm doing the layman stuff. Infra is that God, this is why I think it's dumb, reacted to the fall and ordained the cross, in a sense. That's how I understand it. Both of them are problematic because God doesn't react. He's omniscient. He's outside of time. Like all of this was his plan. Like, so when we talk about the order of salutis, that is a biblical doctrine because it's inside of time, like the order of salvation for his people. But when we're talking about the plan and decretive purposes of God, that is outside of time. There's no chronology to that. That's why I say it's a dumb argument. Right. But all of this happened outside of time. I would say this is not a debate over when God ordained the cross. This is a debate over the eternal decree of election and reprobation. See other podcasts, Double Predestination, <laughs> uh, in relation to his eternal decree of the fall. So all this happened before the creation of the world, outside of time. Did God ordain to elect and damn before he decreed the fall? Because both the superposition and infraposition believe God decreed the fall, whether you want to say allow or ordain. The infraview says that God decreed the fall, then decreed to elect or damn. Uh, the supra is the before, the infraview is after. You guys did not know you were tuning into a seminary lecture today. I apologize. Most people <laughs> before the enlightenment, Calvin, the big example, his successor in Geneva, Theodore Beza, the two leading figures in this, Quoting Augustine, left and right, were supra-lapsarians, and most people, this, you might think it's a straw man, post-enlightenment have been more infra. Look, we can shelf it, because I'm not really interested in that debate as much as, I know that deals with the author of sin issue. Kind of. Yeah, sort it's of. an implication. Um, I just want, I want to make sure that we're, honestly, I want to remind you guys that Powers at the outset said this was not convoluted today. Just want to remind it's you. Not. It's not. It's black and white. The answer is yes, people. Okay, so he is, you're, you're saying, I want to be, be clear. You're saying that God actively forced, created, manufactured evil to be. I would not use the word active. I would not use the word forced, manufactured at all. I would say God ordained okay, I agree with that. the fall. I agree with that. And by so doing, this is my yes here. By so doing, he built the stage on which Jesus would one day walk out onto and perform the work of redemption. Meaning, at the fall, you have beautiful bliss and perfection in Genesis 1 and 2. And in Genesis 3, 7, the consequences of the fall came. They ate, they took the fruit, they ate, their eyes were open, they realized they're naked. They're shame. They tried to cover themselves. The fall has then entered into the world and Adam and Eve, our first parents, spread death, ruin, and misery to all their descendants for here on out. By ordaining this action, God opened the jaws of death. Jesus had to die for Jesus to walk out into that would one day slam shut on him. So he prepared the world to be the world that would need saving that Jesus would one day come and save. And so in ordaining the fall, God is glorifying the grace of the son that would one day come to fruition. Okay. That's my argument. I have no problem with that argument. Well, we agree. I have no problem with you that. You heard it here first. No, 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 no. Changes no, 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 because, because you heard it also the power said he's not using the words active manufactured or forced. manufactured or forced. I don't, I don't think those are helpful. Those words. are the words that I hear. 
from the proponents of God being the author of sin, which also, this brings me, you used the word Arminian earlier. Like I would say Molinistic is probably where I would land when it comes to the problem of pain, where C.S. Lewis landed. And that, sure, sure, and sure. that I see that pain and disease and death and all the things that Christ conquered are our fault. I think that this is a matter of culpability for me. Right? Who's at fault for sin? And I think that we are fully at fault for sin and for the devastation that God set his law and said, do this and live. Yeah. And in his sovereign I kingship, I agree. he said, do this and live. We said, no, we broke everything. We brought right. all this devastation. It's our fault. So when my little girl has a heart that doesn't beat, right? I had a, I think, egregious view of God being the author of sin back in 2017 when she went through all her open heart surgery and everything. And I was blaming God when he is sovereign over that. And I would say he has indirectly ordained that would come to pass all the travesty that sin has caused, all the brokenness sin has caused. And that is our fault. That is the fault of Adam and Eve and all those in their stead who have brought that devastation. And, and this, I think this is why it's, to be honest, there's been a lot of, a lot of going back and forth, inspiring a little bit and all in fun, I think. Love it. But I think this is why it becomes an emotional issue for me because not just in the people I've talked to, but in my own life, I have wrestled through God being unloving according to the very standard that he declares to us or um, capricious or harsh in that my theology became so, it can't be like too big God, but like it became so big God that we're almost Autobots here and that everything was just his fault. Everything was was ultimately, and we do agree, like we, I, I think we agree that he has to create all things. He's ordained whatever happens. We agree with that. And that man is culpable for it. That man is completely culpable. But what I see is I see probably compared to most reformed people, they would see that God is 50% or 60% or 70% or 90% directly causing things and 10% not. I would see the opposite. I would say that God directly causes salvation, predestination, things of that nature, that he is indirectly causing the brokenness, the pain, the human misery, the suffering that we see in the world, that he is not implanting cancer in somebody that cancer is coming about as a result of sin. That's maybe a different discussion, but I think that that's where emotionally starts to land on me, where it's hard because God's given us definitions of what goodness looks like, and he doesn't seem good according to the biblical definition he's given us if he is the author in an active, manufactured, forceful sense of sin. So I I appreciate and agree with almost everything that you almost. said, but Aww. people do They're making up. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna we're gonna lay down some walls here. They're gonna be huge, um, <laughs> huge walls. Uh, nuance is helpful. People can take the view that I'm saying and go toward hyper Calvinism. They do. That is not my view. The view that I'm a proponent of is high Calvinism. I would say that the the infra position, the position that you're saying that's kind of Molinistic, like like Lewis, is moderately Calvinistic. Neo-Calvinism. R.C. Sproul called it moderate. Sure. Um, whether or not the label fits, but he's dead now. He, not, he agrees with me. Not every high Calvinist is hyper. There's a huge difference there, and so there's nuance that needs to happen. High is a stop on the road toward hyper. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's going as far as we can go and going no further. I, I would just add one thing that you didn't sure, say. Sure. It is not sin in God to will that sin be. I because agree with that. Because by willing that sin be, he ordained the redemption that we so need. I would say it's sin. Need. I would say, and you're going to be uncomfortable with this. 
I know, because um, I have foreknowledge. But I would say, I would say that it would be sin on the part of unrighteousness on the part of God to actively cause sin. But what? Okay, what I was gonna get at is don't you don't get to decide that, right? You don't get to decide if God willing sin is sin because God says that he. No, I think that's a cop. I think that's a cop out of Calvinistic thinkers too. Is like, well, we don't get the question. God has given us a manual of what's right. The Bible tells us what is right. Like what is, and what is right is God's essence and his very character, his nature is what is right. right. He can't go against his essence and character and nature. God is not evil. God is not the, the primary direct cause of evil in the world. And we know that not because I get to decide, but because scripture declares who he is in character and essence. He's holy. He's completely holy. He can decree that evil will come about by human volition and causation without being directly responsible for that, which is, I think, I think where the confessions lead us. Yeah, I guess we're, in my mind, as the listener and as, you know, the... The three that we have left at this point? Yeah, people that haven't signed off 40 minutes in. No, um, they're in, they're tracking. Like all the conversation, all the disagreement between like, if God directly caused it or if it indirectly caused it, I mean, you both land at the point that he allowed it slash caused it, whatever word you want to use, and yet he is still good and he is still Amen. apart from Amen. sin in that. Yeah. So I guess in my mind, and maybe just because maybe this is my mind just wanting to be lazy and not think too hard about it, it's like <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Ooh. It doesn't really matter so if you directly or indirectly. we would probably say it matters for different, for different reasons. Because like, either way, sin came in and well, he's on, good and he defines all characteristics for what is good and bad. There's no way that even if he did directly cause it, he could still be bad. Because he is the standard of goodness. Right, no, no, unless unless he said this is unless he was like modern Christians who said something was bad and they did it anyway, then he'd be bad. Yeah, but he doesn't do the sin. He doesn't He'll, do it. He exactly. Introduced he it. Oh, I would not say I agree with Michael Horton and put. Yes. Why, why does the word? You are correct, why, why does? Why does the word Michael, change? I agree it? with Michael Horton. Evil. If it's the same. Thing. So Michael Horton and putting Amazing Back into Grace and some of his other works has defined what I think is a very reformed perspective of this, and that is that evil is not a created entity. Evil is the absence or the twisting or the manipulation or the barbarism of what is good. Like that's what it is. It's always a twisting. Yeah, yeah it's always a twisting of that. It is not. And so an there, is, there was thing. no creation of evil. Right. God said, "Do this. This Only is what's good. right." Only and good. humanity twisted. We that. twisted it. Yeah. And so right. that introduced evil, which is not an entity in itself. It's the twisting of the good. And so to me, though, it's way different because, like I said with the analogy earlier, there's a big difference between. And I understand that the accusation would be that even if I allow, like that even if God allows, like I don't get it, but if God allows 5.5 million children to be in sex trafficking, that's the one I always go to because that, I can't understand that. Mm. But if he allows it because he said, do this and there'll never be sex trafficking and we violated that and we fractured that and now sex trafficking grieves his heart, but it's the result still under his sovereign domain. So him permitting a child to be brutalized, which is horrific and I don't get that is still very different than him forcing the rapist upon a child. That totally, to me is totally. a, a view of God that I can't get behind because I don't think it's biblical at all. Right. Like, and that's the, that's the issue. It's not just my emotions saying that. Yeah, but to me, I don't think it's biblical. Like, I can understand, I can rationalize biblically and understand that God would permit things because of just how heinous the brokenness of sin is on the world but not direct causation of it. And that's why it's, that's why it matters to me. Like I, I look at it and go, there's, I can't reconcile that. Like I cannot worship that God. I cannot, I refuse to. I, I would just encourage God. you, your 
viewing this position as the farthest extreme position it possibly could be. There's more nuance there. There's more levels. Or convolution. Of <laughs> careful precision <laughs> yeah. to be thought out that has been written out. Sure. Herman Bovink. Um, no one's even heard of him. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> like, all, all these things. And so they, they, they would say things in total agreement with, with what you're saying, while they would also say things like death exists so Christ could die, trouble exists so Christ could be troubled, suffering exists so Christ could suffer. And this is the bulk of their argument. It all centers on the glory of the Son coming to do redemption I, I get and things that. like this. I get all that. I, to, me, to me, like, I can't sit down with a, a mom who just had a miscarriage and say, God killed your baby. I'm not going to say that. I, I know, but, that's, that's, right, where but that's, this, that's where the author of sin in an act of sin takes us. I would say that sin upon God ordains life and death and it's appointed man wants to die. I get all that. The appointment, though, is an indirect causation, I would argue, that the result of sin on the world is that the, the soul that sins dies. And so like, we can't even be pro-life if like, we believe that God directly no. caused you're, 63 you're million. Just, you're just like going 100 miles no, like, I can't, down the I road here. I cannot even begin. There are other the, stops yeah. on the highway. This is not this like an Arizona be, like, four desert. more hours of this. So <laughs> we don't have to like keep dissecting it all. To me, I think the position where I land, I love powers. And we might be like slightly in disagreement here on certain things. We both love the confessions. We both love Amen. scripture. We both have a high view of God. My view of God is high enough. Not to say that Powers is not or anybody else or Herman's is not. Um, but my view of God is so high that when he says that he is holy, that means that he cannot violate what he has declared to us in his word is right and true and good. He cannot do that. And so I see the active causation. Once again, we agree that God's the author of sin in a either active or passive. I would say completely in an indirect or passive sense. Like in an active sense that to me barbarizes a view of God that I cannot in any way begin to accept or embrace. And I think there's no comfort in that. Mm -hmm. there's, there's zero comfort in that. I guess I, just in this conversation, I think where I, my mind is landing is like, no one's saying that God introducing or creating or being the author of sin or being the passive allower of sin, it's different than him sinning. Like he's never sinned. He's not taking part in the on, concept of it, right? So it's I like- think, I don't think Powers is saying that. But I think a lot of the reform I'm not people I, that. I have talked to. Hyper-Calvinists say this. Yes. A lot of the reform people I've talked to who would say they're not hyper-Calvinists. But hyper-Calvinists are different from high-Calvinists. Yeah. But the reason why I jokingly says to stop on the road is a lot of the people that would that would say God is an active author of sin, mm -hmm. a lot of them that I know personally, ministers, pastors, people that go to Building 28, quite honestly, active causation of sin would never say they're hyper-Calvinist in a million years. They would say they're ardently not, but they are fatalistic. Like they, like I know them. Like I we have had a lot of conversations with them. Fatalism is not true. Well, is horrible. It's, it's hyper-Calvinistic thought. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. And so I'm reacting vehemently to it, to that more than, the, than to your argument, because I think you're between me and them. Somewhere. Right. Helpful nuance. Yeah. Hey, welcome hey, to nuance. Hey, no, no, no I, I just think that it is- We need a, a diagram. I think it is a dangerous to, yeah. road It is the my, my position is the end of the road. <laughs> I think. I think. Aren't, I think you just got so, off. That's what I would say. My I mind too. <laughs> how can I be? A, <laughs> that's true. We all say. We all say we're I'm in the, the right position. Right we're, yeah. we're the highest truth. That's but how fair. can it be a dangerous road to travel? Like, don't you think? Like, if you're a real thinking Christian, you have to like wrestle with this question, right? Which, which I think, 
No, no. I'm, and I'm as long for... as you're not coming to the conclusion that God is sin, because that is completely unbiblical right. and right, doesn't right, align right. at all. Like For the reformers, so Calvin, Beza, think further on, Jonathan Edwards, Herman Bavinck, for them, and I think a modern day example of one who teaches this is John Piper. So his book on providence is helpful on this. There's a chapter on this. His book, Spectacular Sins, is really helpful how God causes these things to prepare the way for what's coming, things like this. Uh, For them, their engagement with this, their study of this, they're digging deep, going down on these things. For them, it didn't end with a barbaric view of God. It ended with what Spurgeon would say, with the sovereignty of God is the pillow I lay my head down on every single night. Mm. Because I couldn't lay my head down if I didn't know that God were this sovereign. And so I just want to say with Edwards, absolute sovereignty is what I love to ascribe to God. And anything to me, helpful, because you used that phrase earlier, to me, helpful phrase, anything that would diminish absolute sovereignty is not healthy for a Christian. I would agree with that. Edwards said, if by the author of sin, we mean the sinner or agent or the actor of sin or the doer of a wicked thing, it will be a reproach and blasphemy to suppose God to be the author of sin. In this sense, I utterly deny God to be the author of sin, and that's where I land. But then in another sense, he also said, it is not sin in God to will that sin so he says, be. He argues willing that sin exists yeah. in the world, right? which I would say, according to confessions, is an indirect willing, mm-hmm. indirect causation, which is a, a confessional term, is not the same as sinning. So you're right. God's yeah. not the author of sin. But what happens is, I'm not saying you are, but people get really close to that in the high Calvinistic camp, really close sometimes, mm-hmm. where they're basically blurring that line of God being the author of sin versus God being directly responsible for making sin happen. And that is where I feel like that is, I agree with Edwards, I think that is blasphemy. Like mm-hmm. I think that's just, we have taken a high concept of God's sovereignty that Edwards and Calvin never meant for us to. And we have made God responsible ultimately for something that he hates. Right. That he absolutely hates. But if yeah, God we were responsible for the most wretched act in history, the crucifixion of his son, decreeing it is he's not sovereign over, over every sin in history. I, I which, see. which I want to affirm everything you're saying, but also say that too. He's sovereign over everything. Amen. He's in control. That doesn't Amen. mean he's controlling everything directly. I mean, otherwise, like that's Rome, what sovereignty means. Otherwise, no. Otherwise, Romans one, when he says people will stand before me and they will have no excuse, God's just a liar. Then because we would have all the excuse in the world if He made me do it. Wrong. I I, I think wrong. I don't think that He like plays tricks wrong. with our minds. In Romans one eighteen, when it says that we are without excuse, that's why we talked about it on the babies going to heaven podcast two years ago. Oof, is is that like ba- babies would have a really like they would have a really good argument of hey this is an excuse I wasn't even born. Like, I, I didn't have an opportunity to trust Christ. Um, and there was no enlightenment there in Romans mm-hmm. 1 of knowing that there was a God and refusing to honor him as such. And so I think that when the Lord says, you are without it, Jesus, why I agree with Spurgeon on, we go back to the predestination podcast of active predestination is active causation. Reprobation is indirect causation. God is allowing people to go to hell. He is sending them to hell of their own volition, though. They have chosen that path. Like, mm-hmm. they have chosen that. Right. That's what that, that's the dichotomy that I'm making here so that God is glorified in both because his justice is served, but he's actively willing, causing us to go to heaven by his grace, and he's indirectly willing the damned to go to hell. 
Yeah, I, 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 I think that's a huge point of, uh, for me anyway. I know that probably right. this is like high water, deep water for a lot of people. And they well, don't well care, maybe it's helpful me. to think that this is, we, we've been at it for, for some time, but this is near the roof or the ceiling of understanding for the mind of man. Mm. And this is where Calvin's doctrine of accommodation or condescension really helps. It's how Calvin talks about the Bible. God is more than what scripture says he is. He's not in contradiction with what scripture says he is in his moreness, but in what he's given us, he's given us what we can understand in our low level of sinful man, finite understanding. He is not limited by this. He is more than this because he's God. That's the definition of God. And so Calvin would always talk about in our low understanding, we very quickly reach a ceiling where we cannot rise higher than in our thought, in our theological investigation, which we're, we're coming awfully close to it, I'd say, <laughs> here. Which, but it's simple. I mean, I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. To come back to the beginning, yeah, it's a very simple question with a simple answer. We yeah. just spent 55 minutes you guys describing get it, this? though. Um, is, there any, is there anything else? Are we done here? Are we done? I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is probably convoluted. I think it's probably convoluted, but I enjoy it. I enjoy the discussion. I think that in the effort to study to show ourselves approved, that we need to do our best to understand the radicality of salvation mm -hmm. and the depth of the personhood and activity of God the Amen. best that we can biblically and intellectually. And we need to think through these things because these things do shape our lives. Like when we go through suffering, when we encounter hardship, when we lose a loved one, mm -hmm. like our view of God like A.W. Tozer said in Knowledge of the Holy, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Right. And he's not just saying that theoretically or tongue in cheek. It is, it colors every aspect of our lives, like as Christians. And that's why these types of conversations are really important for us. Because yeah. at the end of the day, what is our view of God? What is our view of God concerning evil, concerning justification, concerning salvation? Like all of that influences our worship, our hope, our comfort, everything else. Yeah. And so... I appreciate the conversation. Me too. And for the three of you that were still listening all the way to the end, and Danny sitting well, here like, like 300. soaking it in. Um, hey, thanks for tuning to in. To the one million thanks. viewers. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. Let's do in, it. in heaven, the angels are tuning in. They're like, we want to know the answer to this question. No, they, so, well, they, yeah. they do know. Indirect Amen. causation. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys <laughs> next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.